This is Sarah. This is Jenna. We're from Name Through Songs, and today we're getting candid with Kai Bosch. But today, we are getting candid with Kai Bosch. His latest single, Body Bag, came out earlier this fall in October, and his forthcoming EP sees Kai writing about the breakup with his boyfriend while still living under the same roof. Recently, he finished a little tour around Europe and the UK with Gretel, and he's also about to go back out on tour supporting Katie Gregson McLeod. And so we're getting candid with Kai about how queer representation in media has changed over the last three years, how moving from conservative Cornwall to Berlin and then London helped him find himself and be more comfortable in his sexuality, as well as the importance of being honest in songwriting and the ways fans connect with that. So let's go chat with Kai. Hi, Kai. Welcome to the show today. We're happy to have you. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm uh, I'm chuffed to be here. So you just finished up a little run around the EU and the UK supporting Gretel. And then you also got to play like a slew of festivals this summer, which I feel like is always such a fun vibe. But for you, what has it been like translating your songs to the live setting? I think it's so interesting because I think every show is different and every audience is different. And it's been so interesting because I have two very different live setups where I have a, a stripped setup, which is kind of just me and my guitarist. And that was what I did for the EU shows. Yeah. And that really like kind of strips things down. Just like it's much more about the words and performing. Yeah. And then I also have my big band, which I bring around with me for, for kind of festivals. And then I also bought for the UK dates of, of that tour. And it's so interesting. I was I was speaking about it with with Greta. Actually, I think there's such a difference where when you're just there with a with a guitar, you kind of just stand still and you perform, and it's about kind of the words and and the yeah. your voice. Whereas when you have a full band behind you, I'm so much more of a performer, mm. Um, mm. and I get to kind of it's much more about the energy that I give, and I get to move around stage more. And there's pros and cons to both, but I think there's nothing beats having my full band and just throwing myself around on stage. My live performance when I have a band is quite energetic, and mm. even for myself, I, I sometimes lose my breath a bit um, <laughs> because I'm just I literally just go a bit feral on stage. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, I I love it, though. And with festivals as well, I think it's so nice to kind of go to all these places that you've never been before and share the music. But then also, in some cases this summer, it was really strange because it was the first shows that I was doing where there were people I didn't know at the front singing my words back at me. It's so common for an artist to just like look at the numbers on a screen and Mm. think, oh, I could be doing so much better or, oh, it's so much less than last month or or whatever. But like those numbers are actual real people that continuously go back and listen to the music. And and it's really special when you get to like go to these places and suddenly these numbers of people are just like, real people in the flesh singing your songs well also like for festivals it's like a mixed bag you don't exactly know what's gonna happen who's gonna be there there's definitely people who are like hearing you for the first time so like was it like kind of surreal for you to see like people at the festival singing the words back for sure it was really quite surreal again these songs it's just that i wrote them in my all of them i wrote in my bedroom and most of them i wrote completely by myself uh Mm. and uh just deeply personal songs about chapters of my life that you know I wrote those words and and those songs mean very specific things to me and then it's really bizarre when you go to a festival in the middle of nowhere and there's this 17 year old girl stood at the front like you're like how do you know this like (laughs) exactly (laughs) how do you know this I wrote Uh, this (laughs) right (laughs) 
and it's just I find it it's really beautiful and I think it's what's so interesting is that I very much see myself as just me and I write my silly little songs but to have like actual fans who like are there at Barrier and like wait around to meet me after and stuff is still like a really bizarre concept to me because (laughs) I used to be such like a fan of like I've got a you know I had Twitter and I had like a (laughs) Lana Del Rey stan account when I was 14. I love it. It's really like bizarre that now there's like people who like message me being like oh my god when are you dropping this song and like every like every week being like oh my god like I've played my song to all my it's it's just crazy it's really really weird and I think it's so lovely to see that like fans are still a thing yeah (laughs) especially for like smaller artists as well I think it genuinely is actually something that keeps me going uh among this complete mess of a world that the music industry is for for smaller independent artists yeah yeah definitely i mean like what is that feeling like like getting to connect with these people in person in these places that you're like i never would have thought anybody here would even know who i was yeah i mean it's 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 really just special um it's special and surreal but at the end of the day it reminds me why i why i do it i think so much of the reason, and for so long I've always said, that the reason that I make music is is mainly for myself. Uh, mm-hmm. All my music's kind of a, th- a therapy that I get to kind of explore different aspects of my life and how they've made me feel. But actually, I think the more that goes on, I'm realising that there's so much in other people hearing them and applying their own meanings to the songs and meeting them at shows and have them sob as I give them a hug. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is really special and it's it's really I mean I could get used to it let's just say that <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's so funny it's really nice also just to hear that like there is that connection and I feel like there must be especially now just with how like the internet's changed how many people are like able to create music like there must be a little mm. bit of fear in starting to like put your music out there of like oh like is there space for me like do people want this and then actually like getting that and being like oh yeah they're like keen for it I think must be really exciting for you yeah no absolutely starting out is a scary one but I think for me it was years in my bedroom like yeah doing it by myself before yeah. I even felt vaguely ready to, to put stuff out I think god if you listen to the stuff I was making when I was 17 <laughs> compared to, you know, the, the stuff that I started putting out when I started releasing. There's just such like a vast difference. But I think it's a double edged sword. I think it's it's so easy to like to make music and put music out there. But at the same time, it's so hard to it was it's much harder nowadays to, to make noise and to yeah build traction because there's because everyone's doing it. Yeah. I think I think what I've come to learn in the short time that I've been releasing it's only I've only been releasing music for like a year and a half and mm-hmm. I think I've already gone through the whole journey of trying to make music like you know initially the music that I make and then being like ah well that sort of music does really well maybe I'll try and do this and and, you know I'm not saying it's definitely I think all of my songs there's still me running through the center of it but definitely there's there's a few outliers and I'm not going to say which let people discover them on their own journey you know well exactly but I think I think there's there's some songs that I've made that I think I listen to now and think oh I definitely was was trying to pander there a bit yeah whereas whereas I think I've just fully come full circle and realized that actually the ones that have done the best have always been the ones that have been authentically me and yeah. usually the ones that I also by the time they release I hate myself <laughs> 
that is, it's so funny. My two most successful songs, both of them, before they came out, was like, I don't, I don't really care about this one. Uh, yeah. And uh, how how wrong I was. Yeah. And now I love them because they're my best performing songs. Well, so. I think like, there's, there's a magic in music and the fact that kind of like, no matter how much the artist wants to be in control of it, it really is up to like what the mm. fans want and are interested in. And I think that that can be beautiful sure. when like, the listeners like find beauty in a song that the artists might have just been like, I don't know about this sure. one. Let's just see what happens. Absolutely. I think that's the thing. You can't control it. And I think, again, the more that I do this, the more that I learn that it doesn't matter what personal connection I have to the song. It's very much the fans and and the world will decide what yeah. they like. It's so funny. I think, again, when you, when you write all your own stuff, and specifically me, I write so much about my life and about what happens in my life. It's kind of more like a diary. So I think sometimes you have those songs which mean everything to you. Yeah. yeah. And just the success of every song is so tied to, you know, if it does well, it feels amazing. And yeah. if it doesn't immediately connect, I think I'm very much having to learn that that doesn't mean that, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's yeah. just I feel it so much more because it's something that's personal to me. And what I've come to learn is that every song has its own journey and some can just completely just take off instantly and some... I mean, again, you have you have songs. Uh, probably, probably not a great example, but like "Cruel Summer" by Taylor Swift, number one, yeah. like four <laughs> years after it came out. But having said that, I'm sure that it did get a one or two streams uh, yeah. out the gate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like everything's a journey, and you know, like you mentioned, some of these songs are so personal to you, and that doesn't mean the song mm. is any less valid or like real to you, right? And just yeah. whether or not it hits with the audience. But you did mention that you have finished your second EP quite recently. and that the themes surrounding this are going to be the loss of a relationship and that you were essentially like writing throughout the breakup so for you was this writing process was it difficult with like these emotions being so like raw and real at the time I think actually I'd say the opposite in that the writing process was really easy because mm. I had the source material. <laughs> so like the, the, <laughs> the, the, like, yeah, yeah. The story is I was living with my first boyfriend and it was the first, my first relationship, first long-term relationship and we moved mm. in together. And um, about four or five months in, well, we broke up. And mm-hmm. over in over in London, we have a bit of a, a housing crisis. Uh, so it's yeah. not the easiest to just pack your bags and find somewhere else. So we were also stuck in a contract as well. Um, so it was it just it just looked like a whole lot of hoops to jump through to, to yeah. move out. So we we had to live together uh, for another nine months after Holy after crap. we broke up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we we fully had to just like live together, and then we started seeing other people, and then we started dating other people and it was absolutely horrendous um (laughs) but having said that I I, not to be a a little tortured artist over here but I really thrive off of pain um (laughs) so, so so the writing came really easy and I wrote so much in that nine month gap that everything everything on this on this EP I think I wrote quite quickly and really holds a lot of meaning to me but having said that I think I'm better at writing in hindsight than in writing from the center of a mess I think Mm -hmm. you know I'd very much 
even during those nine months, I'd write about things maybe like a month or two in the past. Mm. Because I think when I'm writing about something so painful from the eye of the storm, it very much is like, oh, poor me. Yeah. <laughs> it feel sad. Yeah. And that's like all I can write. But then if I write in, in kind of hindsight, I can really pick it apart and be much more poetic and, and romanticize that pain a bit yeah. better. Yeah, I mean, like we've, we've talked to other artists about that too, about like the want while something is happening to like write that song and sometimes you will and then mm. be like, I need to just put this to the side for a minute and think about that yeah. and then come back to it later yeah. and revisit those feelings and be like, wow, that song would have been horrible or like really mean or like really messed up or whatever yeah. if I had actually done it like in that moment so it's interesting to hear that like that is something that you have done as well where you're kind of like okay if i write it while it's happening exactly while it's happening it's gonna be a mess yeah yeah yeah. i will say though i don't think i'm i'm afraid of being a bit mean or calling people out in in my songs Uh, (laughs) again i thrive on mess and pain and (laughs) so if it brings more writing material i would absolutely have no problem with that you you running a Lana Del Rey stand account <laughs> feels so right. It makes makes sense. Yeah, it checks out. Does it? <laughs> I ran that Twitter stand account like the Navy. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> but oh anyway, back to back to your music. I do want to talk about your single yeah, body yeah. bag specifically because yeah. like that song was obviously very like emotional, but most of your songs are, but specifically like Mm. the visuals like the music video for that song were it was gorgeous (laughs) and so you you worked with uh director alex deach on it and so i'm just curious like how much you worked with him to land on this visual story and like why was that what you wanted to tell along with the song alex is an absolute godsend i think it was it was a perfect it just happened perfectly where i think you know when you start out as an artist there is a a bit of teething and you and you work with people and you and you see what works and what doesn't yeah and um i think i'd been around the ringer a bit with 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 kind of other people who who did kind of visuals and they're all brilliant in their own way but when i i stumbled across alex's work on on instagram and just immediately it was like looking at his work was like looking at the inside of my head Mm. Um, oh that's awesome so yeah, so we worked together from the tail end of my first EP through mm-hmm. to this now my third EP, and it's just been wonderful to work with him. I think I think it's it's great when you can find a relationship with someone where you both kind of grow together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with each thing that we've done together, I think we've both gotten stronger and stronger, and we've gotten to understand each other more and more. And with the visuals for Body Bag, it was really quite a special one because I think I'd had so much time over the course of this relationship to kind of figure out well like in my head this world was kind of building and it was much kind of brighter uh and, and more technicolor than than anything i'd done before i'm not sure if i've it's like fully a synesthesia thing but like my past work's been very kind of like neon greens and like kind of ghostbusters green is that uh, yeah, what yeah. we used to say whereas like now it's very much kind of like these like kind of blues and like floral colors and 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 kind of soft greens and it was really nice kind of taking our visuals away from something kind of quite dark and edgy and Mm -hmm. and making something that was just really kind of quite beautiful and and naturistic and and airy it was i think again there's always got to be a bit of dramatics and (laughs) carrying around my skeleton ex-boyfriend for the day was 
quite lovely. I mean, I totally agree of like having, you know, a visual creative who's like work you really identify with and being able to grow with them. I think that's so unique mm. and it really shows throughout an artist's career, like for, for the both of you. So I think that's really awesome that you've been able to work on this project together. But for switching sure. the conversation a little bit, I want to talk about like the conversation around like LGBTQ people in society and in pop culture. And this conversation has really moved very far in the last 10 years, but especially in the last five years of just there being so mm. much more representation in media and in music. And a lot of this is somewhat thanks to online platforms. You mentioned Twitter being one of them. Um, we were mm. definitely like an on Tumblr doing kind of the same thing. And now TikTok has come out and it's a way for really for like queer youth to connect with each other if they're growing up in a place where they might not otherwise have those connections yeah. or that community or even just that culture to relate to and to be part of. And I know you've mentioned like you kind of grew up in more of like a conservative or like smaller part of England. And so I'm curious like for you what that experience was like growing up. I live in such a sheltered part of, of the UK that was so conservative and lacked any sort of, you know, diversity in, in every single way. I think where I'm from is a place called Cornwall in the southwest of England, where the population is 99.8% straight, 99.7% white, like yeah. really, really quite rural and, and closed minded. And it was really interesting. I think I just didn't even know that I knew gay as an insult before I knew gay as a sexuality and it was really oh, yeah. I just didn't compute that it could be a thing until suddenly I just realized I was gay <laughs> and I think again that was through social media and that was through the internet and I think at the time there wasn't much kind of represent even this is again this is back in like 20 2015 2016 yeah the only yeah. kind of gay media that we had five you know that long ago was was again quite stereotyped and and yeah again for a for a 14 year old you know the only places i could really look were you know on netflix the only lgbt piece of of media was the film gay best friend uh which i think played into kind of a lot of tropes and and when i when i came out i think i went through a slight identity crisis because i think again as someone who didn't know what being gay was suddenly my only point of reference for what being gay was was from the film gay best friend <laughs> um yeah. and very much you know I turned to that and and again I, I came out and the first day I come into school everyone at school oh will you be my gay best friend will you be my gay best friend and like <laughs> yeah. very much like hey hey queen uh, <laughs> and, oh, no. and stuff like that oh no <laughs> do you know what and it's so funny because now it's it's fully done the rounds but like slay but like unironically <laughs> yeah just like oh slay and it very much became part of my vocabulary and then it's interesting because I think for me, it then was years of having to to pick apart myself and, mm. and come back to what is me uh, yeah. and what is something that is, you know, something that I've kind of just applied to myself yeah. in, in the need to, to fit this label. And I think what's amazing is that in the last few years with, with series like Heartstopper or, mm -hmm. you know, Love, Simon, or, or yeah. there's, there's so many now, which is yeah. not even specifically LGBT shows, but just representation in shows. Yeah, There's just so much more that I, I wish that I had when I was a, a kid because it just means that you can just see it and it's it's a definitely it's 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 an integral facet of myself and who yeah. I am and I'm very proud to be gay 
but also to be myself and it just be a thing that coexists with the rest of me, the person. And I think it's brilliant that we're moving forward in so many ways that there is more representation. Yeah. at the same time, I think I think there's definitely it's a bit scary. There's in the UK and I'm sure in the US as well. Yeah. I think specifically around attitudes towards trans people, I think is is really yeah. quite worrying. And yeah. in a lot of ways, it feels like we're going backwards there. And I think it's just yeah. down to just fear mongering among yeah. They they like to pick a they like to pick like a minority villain, and for some reason right? that is the minority villain. Because like I used to say a lot that like oh the uk seemed to be a little bit more progressive like even the conservative yeah. side of things were nowhere near as bad as the conservatives in america yeah. and then all of a sudden you guys have rishi up there just being like so trans and it's like what like did you just pick pick like a group out of a hat and be like this is the villain sure. this is who we're going against and it's like so i odd. think i think it's really interesting and i think specifically you know in, in in this country the conservative party are really on its on its last legs and yeah they've just they've reached a point where the way that they they sell themselves now and a way to gain votes is is to just sell division and to scapegoat people and whether it be immigrants or it be trans people or any other you know persecuted minority in this country yeah they've just decided to say that it's all their fault and not uh you know the political party that's been in charge for 13 years over here Yeah. yeah but at the same time i think what's really refreshing is on social media on tiktok on on twitter the younger generations clearly just get it yeah and it just it feels like everyone i see who is my age, my age younger it really seems like everyone just gets it and it's just something that's normal and i think even for my i have i have sisters and a and a brother who are all in in high school they're much younger mm. than me they all just like you know a bunch of trans kids in their year and there's a bunch of gay kids in their year and it's just so like i was the only gay kid in my school it's yeah. just so yeah. that is what's really amazing is that yeah. Yeah, people are more well, comfortable in it. Exactly. Yeah. So it means it means a lot that, that, that that's yeah. at least happening among the younger generations. Yeah. So just like back a little bit to your story of mm. having that like gay best friend movie as like your point of reference. I did read in another interview yeah. that you kind of had taken on this persona based off of that movie, being like, Oh, like now that I'm gay and everyone knows I need to like act and dress yeah. a certain way. And so, like, there's kind of, like, a joke in New York that, like, gay people from the rest of the world will move here, go to Brooklyn, do that for a year, and then, like, Mm. figure out actually, like, who they are as a person. And so I feel like that's kind of, like, a rite of passage (laughs) in some ways. But, like, I'm curious, like, now as a performer, if you feel like there is a new version of a persona that you need to step into and, like, how you feel about that idea having, like, done the like teen gay persona thing in high school to try and figure out who you were already yeah it's a really interesting one i actually think that it just came naturally to me i think i very much again i grew up on stan twitter so i very much <laughs> picked apart it was it was lana del rey it was lord it was marina the diamonds yes. fka yeah. twigs Love it. <laughs> all the kind of like proper like performer indie girlies yeah so then when i went and studied music at, at university mm-hmm. and 
the first thing we had to do was perform Mm -hmm. and like totally out of nowhere like it was just like the first time it just something just comes over me and I think very much my day-to-day self and even when I'm talking between songs I'm I'm this person and I'm Mm -hmm. very kind of outgoing and like unmysterious but the minute I start singing and when it comes to all my visuals as well like I just go into this kind of like dark and like (laughs) quite like I hold it back and um it's it's so funny so I wouldn't say that I it's it's something that I've like I've consciously created it's just Mm. this it's like it just comes from the ether yeah it's alive inside you Um, (laughs) it's it's hilarious because um I'm not sure if you guys are into astrology but um I good uh, good so like I'm a Leo sun and then I'm a cancer moon and uh Scorpio rising and I've really all over the place I'm really fired I've always yeah right and I've always been so confused about the Scorpio rising because rising is supposed to be like what people like outwardly perceive you as and I am the least mysterious least (laughs) like secretive person you will meet in your life and then the other day someone was like Oh no, but like when you perform, that's exactly yeah. who you are. Mm. It, it makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But it's definitely not a conscious thing. But there definitely is an artistic persona that takes over me when I sing, when I write, when I perform. Yeah. And that's so cool to hear. And I was I was wondering, like, do you feel like moving to London helped shape some of that? Like you as a musician or like and or your queer identity? I'd say so. So I actually I moved from Berlin and I moved to oh, uh, wow. no, I moved from Cornwall to Berlin. Okay. Mm. And then from Berlin I was so I was there for a few months and then I moved to London. And I think that the whole journey yeah. really shaped me and I think it's just the kind of moving away from where there's so much context and history to who you are and how mm. people perceive you. And then going to places where nobody knows you and that just means that, where you know, wherever you are in this new place, you get to establish yourself as that person from that day forwards where there's no there's no past, there's yeah. no, yeah. you know, no one sees it and thinks, oh, that's Kai who used to do this or used to do this. This yeah. is, that's Kai, the person standing in front of me. And I think that was really liberating and I think kind of the final stage in getting myself back and just like leaving behind so much stuff that I was and and right. just establishing myself as the person I am. And I think definitely the experience of Berlin and London shaped that. And I'm really kind of glad that I did that because I, uh, Lord knows who I would have yeah. been <laughs> had, I, had I not. <laughs> no, that's really, that's really cool to hear. And also a little bit of a different question here, but what do you think mm. sets apart a good artist from a great one? Honesty, uh, I'm going to say. I've always been about honesty and I think an artist who writes from their own experience and complete unabashed honesty, I mean, I go pretty intense on it. Like I'll be writing with people and they'll be like, what if his jeans were, were blue? And I'm like, but they weren't blue. <laughs> he, you know, and it's like, that's that's lying. Um, or, you know, just uh, stuff like that. I think maybe I go quite hardcore, but like, I think as long as there's a sense of authenticity about what someone's singing and you can feel that this person has felt what they're singing about, I think that's like always what I can hear. And I think all the artists that I resonate with, I can hear that they've lived an experience and they needed to write about it and yeah. tell the world about yeah. it. I think that that's... I love, I love that because I feel like also right now in what we were talking about earlier too about like with the internet and everything and there being an abundance of music like it's 
so much easier now to be able to tell who is like in it because like this is all that they can do like they can't sleep without thinking in music and then like people who are like oh yeah. if i make music i'm gonna get if i so make many a TikTok girls. song pop off whatever the goal yeah, yeah. is so i think that like that's really beautiful because i also agree like it's so obvious like when you listen to music like when there's honesty in it and when it feels like true to the artist and when it doesn't and you it's yeah. just so easy to tell yeah for sure. And I think also, I think it's it's really special for the listener to, to hear that music and feel like you're being let in on a really kind of secret or intimate part of someone's life. I think yeah. it's really special. There's so many, there's so many albums and songs that I am in love with that it, it's so much like you just get to like get a glimpse into this person's life and also maybe attach meaning or kind of relate to something that they've been through. I think it's really special. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so thinking of kind of like these bigger questions about like artistry and like your journey, mm. what is your biggest dream as an artist? My biggest dream as an artist is I think that just to, to reach people and have people resonate with my stories and also publicly slate my ex for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I think I think it's just really important to me that I, I get to tell my story and whether that's a really self-centered thing to say, but like I feel very like I have a lot to say and I, I think the dream would be for people to hear what I have to say and just take something from it and see themselves in it or learn something from it. I think that's like music is such a an important thing in my life and yeah. other people's music has shaped my life so strongly so if my if my music could do that for anyone it would mean the world but if it could do it for lots of people then that would be wonderful (laughs) Uh, both both personally and financially (laughs) (laughs) completely completely so just for a fun little wrap-up question and i feel like i already know your answer to this but i'm gonna ask anyway Mm -hmm. so the ethos of name three songs as a podcast and a brand is to help empower fangirls and we think it's very important Mm -hmm. to be critical consumers but also celebrate the things that we love unapologetically so kai Mm -hmm. what are you a fangirl of i'm a fangirl of lana del rey lord fk twigs the xx marina uh formerly known as marina the diamonds uh <laughs> and every other sad indie girl that has gotten me to where i am today <laughs> <laughs> i love that that's beautiful <laughs> this has been so great thank you for this lovely chat kai we really appreciate it oh, thank you so much for having me honestly it's been it's been it's been wonderful I think it's so funny how Kai is, you know, when we're, as we're talking to him, his personality is a bit subdued, but he's saying that like on stage, he kind of just steps into this other persona and he mentioned, you know, he's a Leo sun, he's a Scorpio rising, like love that he brought astrology into it. Cause like, I mean, a Leo's very fiery personality, but I, I think it's so interesting when people are willing to talk about their stage personas, whether or not it's like a conscious thing, because I've always thought that about performing, that it's like an opportunity for you to step into like a personified version of yourself or even this character that's like more intense or more lively than yourself. And so I think it's really cool kind of seeing how his personality is here, but then talking about that when he goes on stage. Well, I think it was funny because I feel like stage Kai would like randomly come out during the interview. Yeah. loved it i loved it so much and i think like that's what's so exciting about talking to somebody who is so new and fresh in their career is like they're trying 
I don't know, saying the battle between like stage version and real life version is like so apparent of him being like so eloquently spoken about his music and then will be like, but I live for chaos. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I love this so much. And I feel like that also kind of just like shows in his music too because like he was saying like he used two different versions of performing where it'll be like just him and a guitar or him and like a band and like those feel like two very different things (laughs) so I just think it's like (laughs) it was just really interesting like talking to him and also witnessing those two things coexist in a way that like I don't even know if he's aware they coexist together yet Yeah, and honestly, I feel like we learned so much and it was just a really lovely conversation. So thank you guys for getting candid with us and Kai Vosh. This has been Sarah and Jennifer from Name Three Songs. And to get your pop culture fix, you can listen to new episodes of Name Three Songs podcast on all podcast platforms.